Welcome to Market Scale Education Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have the very interesting opportunity to have a conversation with David Kofud Wind. He's the CEO for PeerGrade. David, how are you today? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Would you do me a kindness and explain to me your journey from your educational experiences into the moment that you decided you needed to found peer grade? Sure. So my background is that I studied mathematics at university, uh, mathematics and computer science. And then after that, I started a PhD in machine learning and data science. And I really wanted to teach. I really liked teaching. So I asked my supervisor for permission to teach my own class. So I started teaching. I had 20 students. And then the next semester, I wanted to shake things up a bit. So I changed the title of the class to something with big data. And instead of my normal 20 students, I suddenly had an enrollment of 150. And with 150 students, everything becomes very complex, right? I have 150 students submitting 10 assignments during a semester, which ends up giving you about 1,000 pages to grade every single week. And that doesn't make any sense, right? So I went to my colleagues and I said, what should I do? And they said, uh, multiple choice exams. That's the easy, that's the easy solution. But... It's also not very good for learning. So I thought a lot, and then I started working on PeerGrade, which is a solution where students read each other's work and give feedback to each other. And that way I can save some time, but more importantly, they can learn a lot from reading each other's work and giving feedback to each other. So that's kind of how it started. It started with my own class. And and today it's used by, of course, a lot more people than just myself. So let me ask about what, appears to me that it might be a pitfall or just something you need to be aware of is if a student doesn't really grasp the content that you are testing them on in a given situation or in a given exam or or a given assignment and the student that is reviewing their content misunderstands in the same way that they misunderstand that seems like it would be a a danger of creating a feedback loop of incorrect thinking. How do you address that possibility to make sure that everyone is really understanding a specific concept? That's a super good question. And it's often the first question in some form that we get from teachers when we talk about peer grade. Um, The way to solve that is, is combining a few different things. So First of all, generally, when people use peer grade, uh, each student reviews multiple papers. So that also means that every paper will be reviewed by multiple students. And then what we do is that we use uh, a bit of machine learning and other cool things to ensure that when you review papers, you review papers of different quality. And at the same time, that also ensures that every paper gets reviewed by students of different capabilities. So we ensure basically that if, if just a moderate amount of students get it, then no false knowledge will propagate in the class. But of course, if everybody misunderstands the same thing, then then nobody will know. And then it's the teacher's job to, to intervene. So we also make it easy for students to mark feedback for moderation. We make it easy for teachers to kind of go in and, and validate that everything seems okay. 
Now, this question I'm about to ask you, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but this is a question that I would have immediately brought up if I was a student in your class on the first day, and it is this. Hey, man, it sounds like you're just trying to get us to do your work for you. Explain to me how you <laughs> clarify to me that that's not true. Yeah, I think uh, the honest answer is that some teachers do use peer review as a way to get less work to do, right? That's that's obviously the agenda for some people. I think when we look at our user base, 90% at least use it not for replacement of grading, but for adding additional uh, learning on top of their existing classes. But but of course, you can use it that way. It generally, if if you are a teacher and you go to the class and say, hey, you should grade each other's papers, I'm going to go on holiday. You don't get a very nice reaction from the students as you also uh, anticipate, right? So I think it, it depends very much on, on the reasons you use it and the way you use it. But I think if you use it to save time, you can save time. And if you use it to make better learning, you can make better learning. And if you're smart, you can do both at the same time. So let's talk about the real reason that peer grade was such a great idea and the real heart behind why you did it. I know that it wasn't primarily driven by your desire to minimize the amount of pages that you had to review each week. I know that as an instructor and someone who likes teaching, you saw it as a way and still do see it as a way to reinforce the actual learning. If I'm a student and you present a concept to me, maybe I have a weak grasp of it. But when I review another person's uh, grasp of that concept, I actually reinforce the learning, which was your whole goal in the first place. Yeah, there's there's so much interesting research on this, right? I've recently read two papers that I really like. So one of them looks at peer review in a university class. And when they really look into it, they see that students learn a lot from getting feedback, clearly. That's why teachers have been doing it for so many years. But they only learn things about the content and they only learn things related to what they actually did. They don't really learn things about what they didn't do. So by reviewing other people's work, you not only train all sorts of metacognition skills like critical thinking and reflection and so on, but you also start to see what you could have done instead of just what you did. So that's a really cool paper. And the other paper that I really liked was a paper looking into this core idea that you learn by teaching. Uh, and everybody kind of knows this anecdotally that the most effective way to learn is to teach. But this paper actually goes in and, and checks further up on it to show that they take two groups of students, one group, both groups prepare material for teaching a class, but then only one of the groups actually get to teach the class. The other one is canceled just before it's supposed to happen. And what they find is that the students who actually go and teach, they learn significantly more. So the act of teaching itself is so formative for students. And that's really what we want to get into with peer grade. Let's take just a moment and look at this from an anthropological standpoint. In, in the information that I have gathered throughout my life, I have always felt more confident in the knowledge that I acquired myself. And by that, I mean, it seems as if human beings have a do-it-yourself gene that causes us to more readily and more completely retain information when we have to acquire it actively. Have you found that to be true? 
I think that it, it all boils down to a couple of different things, right? And one of them is motivation. Like, are you learning because you want to learn? And I think that's why teachers spend so much time making learning engaging and motivating and fun. It's because knowledge you want to find and, and want to acquire is the knowledge that sticks, as you say. Um, so I think that's absolutely correct. And And the tricky thing is that learning is not always fun and easy, right? It's learning is doing something that you haven't done before or learning something that you didn't already know. And generally, if you ask students if they love books and if they love teaching and like they don't really like it, and that's kind of by design, learning is supposed to be hard, right? So there's something interesting about like making learning fun that's kind of paradoxical, I think. You know, and that's an interesting point that you bring up because fun, air quotes, is something that can increase engagement in class, but it doesn't necessarily generate deeper learning. As you mentioned, uh, education technology really for quite a while has been about gamifying education. And that's not necessarily the most effective way to transmit information, is it? I think it's it's very true, right? And I don't want to be the guy to kind of uh, hang out other edtech tools in, in the sphere, right? But there are some tools out there that are extremely engaging and extremely fun. But it also seems like it's an easy way out often where a teacher will just kind of pull it out of the head when they can feel the students are getting too bored. And it'll be so fun. But did they actually learn anything? It's it's not always true, right? So I think, of course, we want to make peer grade extremely engaging and fun and, and a good experience. But we we would rather have it be slightly dull than be a place where you don't actually learn something. So it's it's a super hard trade-off we have to sit with every day. And, and we do care about learning more than just having fun. Now, that being said, let me clarify one thing, that learning management systems a big sort of onerous system, that's not your goal. You're not saying you want to create a system. What you're saying is you want to be able to integrate multiple tools. You want to have options to approach learning from different directions because integration of systems is really where the greatest potential lies. Yeah, I think it's integration has become this weird concept that everybody thinks a lot about and cares a lot about and, and nobody really knows what integration means or, or becomes. But I think what we really do care about is the right tool for the job, right? That one of the reasons nobody likes their learning management system generally is that who likes a management system, right? It's not supposed to be very good. And, and I, there's often this analogy where people say, oh, I want to build this Swiss army knife of something. Who uses Swiss army knives? Like a Swiss army knife has the worst scissor, the worst knife, the worst hammer, the worst corkscrew, whatever. It's just a collection of really poor tools for all jobs. And what you actually want is a really good knife and a really good hammer instead, right? So I think, I hope we're moving into an age where learning management systems become more decoupled and integrate away some of the core learning functionality so they can do what they're good at, which is management. And then specific tools for specific jobs can do what they're very good at. That seems to be the most intelligent way to approach education 
why do you think we have such a hard time embracing that? Is there an inherent bias that we bring from our field or why is that so hard for us to embrace? I think the reason that we still have large monolithic systems like learning management systems is just that learning institutions like schools and universities are very big institutions. And I don't think people realize how large they are. Like if you talk about selling software to normal companies, a company with 500 employees is a very large company. Universities sometimes have 50,000 students. It's completely crazy how big they are, right? So selling to educational institutions is like selling to enterprise. When you sell to enterprise, there's so many stakeholders. And one of those stakeholders is the IT department, right? And IT, their only job is to make sure that everything integrates. So when you start going down that path, there's basically no way to sell systems that don't have single sign-on and it's not integrated together. And I think it's there's many reasons why it's this way, but, but I think it's just kind of how education uh, works, unfortunately. So you build your first version of peer grade while you're still a student you're still a phd student at the time that you're you're building that version i'm actually still a phd student for another month it's almost over now oh so close you can do it david <laughs> i believe in you i hope so so you build this first version of peer grade but you're still a student so you're teaching your peers how to to that has to be a very weird dynamic for you you're still a student but you're teaching students how to be teachers that sounds very confusing to me how did you handle the the different hats that you had to wear you're a teacher but you're also a student how did you manage that sort of challenge of that dichotomy of those different hats yeah luckily my phd didn't involve a lot of being a student i was more i was teaching a lot i was doing a lot of research and then i did, did i did take some classes right but luckily i was more teacher than a than a student but one of the things i really enjoyed in that process was that i didn't just get to build the system i also got to use it myself right i've been teaching with peer grade for four years during my phd and basically had to be the first one to test out all the cool features and realize that well this, this doesn't work Right. And then I could get some immediate feedback from my own students saying, David, this is, this is, this doesn't work. Right. Um, so this concept of dog fooding your own product, right, is, it's been extremely good for me. And I think I'm done teaching now right, with my PhD coming to an end. Uh, but I think it's been extremely formative for peer grade that we've been able to work with our own product from the beginning. And actually, uh, my first co-founder, Melde, who joined quite early in peer grade's uh, lifetime. I hired him as my teaching assistant in my course. So he was also teaching with peer grade while we were building it together, talking to students. Now, I mentioned at the beginning when I introduced you that you were the CEO of peer grade. Let me expand a little bit on what I bet your day to day looks like. You were probably in charge of fundraising, managing, mm -hmm. uh, legal. Did you, when you signed up, and started going towards your PhD, did you realize all of the different jobs you were going to have to do? And if so, are there times when you look back and think, oh man, I should have taken an extra accounting class? <laughs> I definitely did not anticipate the, my day-to-day, -day, I think. So building peer grade has been this weird switch all the, every six months, basically. So I started building it myself, right? I'm a, I'm a programmer by heart. I've, been programming since I was a small kid. So I started building it 
then I started, I got my co-founders on and I started selling it instead. And I've never sold anything, but you, you build it, you have to sell it, right? And then after you start selling it and then you get salespeople on, what do you do? You start hiring people. So now you just got to start managing people. Then you get legal problems. You get accounting things you need to deal with. You start solving some of those problems. Then you start outsourcing that kind of thing. So every six months, my title stays CEO, but my job description completely changes. Um, and let's, let's see what it is in six months from now. We're just about to open our first international office in Boston, which is going to be another thing. I don't have any idea about how I'm supposed to do, but I think we'll figure it out. That's how it's been gone so far. Well, I have to say uh, the thought of improving the way that education is presented and improving the actual knowledge transfer at all levels. This isn't just now this isn't just university level. This could be used at just about any educational level, maybe not in primary or elementary, but I would think from middle school up, this is a concept that's uh, applicable. Yeah, it's the funny thing is we have we keep getting surprised by how young the students are, right? So we have students at least in third grade using peer grade. And uh, when we talk to some university professors, they'll say, I'm not sure this will be okay for my undergraduate students. And I tell them about this kindergarten class using peer review. They don't use our software, but even in kindergarten, students start learning about how to give each other feedback and compliments and so on. So the professors are always a little bit uh, annoyed when I say that kindergarten students can do it, uh, even though their undergraduates probably can't. But uh, you're co completely correct, right, that we have users from eight years old and up. And in every subject, we have volleyball teachers, of course, all the classical math and reading and writing. Uh, you have like driving instructors, business schools, uh, businesses using peer grade internally. So there's so many different ways peer grade can be used. You know, I guess that makes sense because while the teacher's age remains relatively constant, the age and the language that a kindergartner uses amongst themselves, they have a way, ultimately knowledge transfers about communication of ideas. And there is a common language that goes not necessarily generationally. It might go every one or two years where a kindergarten can speak to another kindergartner much better than a teacher could speak to a kindergartner because they're really talking on the same level. That's one of the things that many researchers find when they look into peer review is that actually students feel that the feedback they get from their peers is often more useful because it's coming from somebody on the same wavelength, right? Um, but of course, also just when you look at the kindergarten example, the students are saying something like they have to make a drawing of a butterfly. And then they say, I really like your butterfly because it's blue. I really uh, think you could improve that the butterfly is very large. Right? So it's not... It's not super deep and super reflected, but it's this idea of how do you criticize something in a nice way and how do you give positive compliments and those kind of things. It's That's a skill we just have to learn from we start talking until we end talking, I guess. Well, it's absolutely fascinating approach, and I wish you continued success. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Today, I've had a conversation with the CEO for PeerGrade, David Kafud wind David, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. 